feminists are furious. And they're also furious about Mike Pence mansplaining to Kamala Harris during the vice presidential debate. In a statement screamed in a shrill, irritating voice with a series of grating laughs thrown in, feminist author Celia Shrike told a gathering of lonely and physically unattractive individuals, quote, It is absolutely unacceptable for a man to disagree with a woman when she's right in the middle of debating him. We must learn to believe women even when they're spewing absolute nonsense, or else there won't be a feminist movement at all anymore. It was also incredibly sexist and disrespectful for Pence to just keep on talking when Kamala was making some very important smirks and eye rolls. It's so typical of a man not to understand that for women, communication isn't just a matter of words. We can be smug, self-obsessed, and obnoxious without speaking at all. So it's important to continue to pay attention to us even after our endless, endless rants either drift into hysterical sobbing or simply seem to go silent because you've stopped paying attention out of exhaustion or just a basic instinct for self self-preservation, unquote. Another feminist author, Lucinda Shrike, no relation, told the gathering of the Ladies Auxiliary of Face Piercing and Tattoo Society, quote, it was incredibly offensive to see Mike Pence literally attack Kamala with literally brutal facts and reason. Kamala was demonstrating the glorious feminine capacity to create a completely imaginative version of the world in which harsh reality gives way to confidence-building affirmations and generalized fetching. And Pence kept responding by literally assaulting her with literal weapons like numbers and history and other literal slaps in the face. It was very triggering because it was so much like what my ex-ex-husband used to do before he promised he wouldn't anymore if I would just come back to him, unquote. These authors and other feminists named Shrike plan to protest by gathering outside the White House naked while holding up protest, protest signs with their phone numbers on them. <laughs> Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. This is The Claven Show. Hunkity dunkity. This is The Claven Show. Tickety boo. This is The Claven Show. Birds they be singing, yo. Also be winging, yo. No ease in Claven, though. This is the Claven Show. Tickety boo. Hunkity dunkity. Tickety boo. Hunkity dunkity. Tickety boo. <laughs> We just like to change things up a little bit uh, with the themes. That was me, of course, doing it. No, that wasn't me. Uh, what am I talking about? I have no idea, but I'm just ashamed to be on this show with me. Uh, you know, usually I don't appear with in this kind of company. I try to keep my life a little classier than this, but I've just sunk to the level where I just have to appear with myself. And so here I am. Uh, if, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube, the Andrew Claven YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Andrew Claven, you're an evil person. You will go to hell for all eternity. So do it now and hit the ring that bell there because then through all eternity, you will be uh, alerted when there's new content. And we have original content. We put up my openings, even openings like the one I just did, which I'm thoroughly ashamed of. Uh, we will put those up and you can get them on, on the YouTube channel and and if you leave a comment, we will transform this show into hell. It won't just be you in hell. It will be all of us in hell by listening to your comments. We have one today from Smithworks. Uh, he was uh, correct as uh, issuing a correction because I said at the debate, the Pence-Harris debate, that there was a plexiglass, glass, a plexiglass shield there to protect Kamala Harris in case Pence went into beast mode, as he so often does, where he just lo loses all control and attacked her. But he says the plexiglass was to keep Kamala, the lizard woman, from... <laughs> 
jumping on Pence's, Pence's head and eating the fly. So that's just a correction. And a lot of you, a lot of you complained, I noticed on the comments about the fact that you thought I, I said that uh, women liked Kamala and did respond to the idea that Pence was bullying her. What I said was some women did and some women did uh, buy that. But I also pointed out that women are a lot smarter about other women than men are. One of the things that is really fascinating about the current presidential race is what's being left out of it. Uh, this is, for one thing, the big fight for the big prize. So you'd expect both sides to bring up every issue they think will work to their advantage. And for another thing, the Democrats have a monopoly on the news and entertainment media. So you'd think if there was anything that would help them that they weren't bringing up, their useful idiots like network anchors and celebrities would be bringing it up for them. And yet there, on some issues, there's just been absolute silence. For instance, if it was worth actually impeaching President Trump over a phone call he had with the Ukrainian president, shouldn't Democrats and their toadies be bringing up that horrific scandal and hurling it in Trump's face as the election nears? Shouldn't they be reminding us of what a horrible thing Trump did when he called the Ukrainian president because they had to stop the entire government in December to impeach him for only the third time in American history? But strangely, there is not one word being spoken about it. The Democrats didn't even mention it during the Democrat National Convention. It's almost as if the entire impeachment was a cynical abuse of power over absolutely nothing, sort of like I said at the time. What about Brett Kavanaugh's evil career as a beast who preys on helpless women? The guy was accused of repeated gang rapes in the pages of the New York Times, a former newspaper. Shouldn't the Democrats constantly remind us that Trump has put a virtual Hannibal Lecter on the Supreme Court? But they're silent on that, too, as if they're embarrassed by their behavior instead of by Trump's behavior and Kavanaugh's behavior. And of course, Russian collusion. I'll admit there's one or two commentators who keep trying, hoping against hope that they can keep that hoax alive. But for the most part, it's kind of vanished as an issue too, except for the papers being slowly and reluctantly released by the FBI and CIA and ignored by the media that show how Barack Obama basically assigned his FBI to participate in a Hillary Clinton disinformation campaign in order to stop and hobble the political opposition. So after all the screaming, all the non-scandalous scandals, all the non-crises crises, the silence about these issues is telling. It's telling us that for almost four years, the left has wasted our time, distracted our government, spent our tax dollars, and used up our emotional energy on absolute nonsense. They've essentially terrorized the country over nothing in their relentless effort to destroy Donald Trump and regain power. It's just amazing. It's amazing that they impeached the president at a time, by the way, when they could have been helping the president with what was the very, very beginning of the pandemic. They, instead, they stopped the government to impeach him because Trump got on the phone with the Ukrainian president and said something, something, something. Nobody remembers because nobody cared at the time. I remember how reluctant I was to talk about that on the air because I just thought this is obvious, complete garbage. And yet people, respectable people are arguing with me. Oh, it's very, this is a serious, I mean, really a serious man. Now nobody cares about it. It is just completely gone. Same with Brett Kavanaugh. I remember people telling me, I kind of believe he did this. And I thought like, what do you mean he believe he did it? And there's no evidence that this woman ever met him. It's, it's possible he did it. It's possible you did it. It's possible any, anything is possible, but there's got to be some evidence before something becomes an issue, but not when they own the machinery of the imagination. That is the thing. They have the ability to create complete fantasy worlds because they own the news media and they own the entertain media, entertainment media. So I know a lot of you are concerned, and I'm concerned, about the way big tech and big government can censor your speech. That is one of the reasons you should have express 
VPN. Both big tech and big government want to silence any dissenting voices. If you're a proud gun owner and you want to talk on social media about the right to bear arms, chances are that your post will be flagged by a content moderator and you might end up on some kind of government watch list to fight back against having your voice censored by both big tech and big government Use ExpressVPN. The problem with big tech is that not only do they attempt to censor you, but they also track what you do online. They can match your activity to your true identity using your device's unique IP address. When you use ExpressVPN, they can't see your IP address at all. Your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server. I use it whenever I'm online, and ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of my internet data for protection from hackers and eavesdroppers. Stop letting big tech and big government censor and track you. Defend your rights and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Claven. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Claven to get three months free. Visit expressvpn.com slash Claven to learn more. Like, how do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A. Now, Nancy Pelosi has just announced that they're forming, this is great, it's kind of funny, cuts both ways, they're forming a commission to enact the 25th Amendment where you can get rid of the president if he's not up to doing the job. Here she is announcing this today, just now, really, is cut 22. It is my honor to welcome Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland, a constitutional scholar, as he introduces legislation to establish a commission on presidential capacity to discharge the duties and the powers and duties of the office. This is not about President Trump. He will face the judgment of the voters. But he, he shows the need for us to create a process for future presidents. So first of all, she's wearing her mask like down around her lower lip. So it's like, what the, the mask is part of the fantasy. That's the first thing. But the other thing about this is, first of all, in, according to the Constitution, you can do this. You can com- have a commission that decides whether the uh, president is not up to doing his job. But you need the vice president. The vice president is the one who makes the final decision on this. So really, is this directed at Donald Trump or is it directed at uh, Joe Biden is you know is this the, is this in order to get rid of Joe Biden uh, when it becomes obvious on January second or fourth or whatever it is that he's not up to doing the job? But you know again this is something that she has been doing since Trump took office. This is the theater of the absurd. This is the theater of crisis. There's a sense we have the 2020 that all these that during Trump's uh, presidency all this stuff has been happening all the time, but a huge percentage of it has been totally created, a uh, totally theatrical creation of the Democrat Party, the Russia hoax, the Stormy Daniels thing, the Ukraine thing, it's all of it. And now this, it's all of it just theater. However, Something that apparently was slightly real did happen. There have been uh, two plots that have been coming to light. Now, one of these plots is against the governor of Michigan, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, Uber Storm Fuhrer, Gretchen Whitmer, as we call her. And the other one is about Donald Trump. And of course, the one about Gretchen Whitmer is getting a lot of press right now. And the press that it's getting is telling because it's part of this fantasy. Again, we're talking about yesterday, we were talking about the imagination and directing your imagination so that it is in keeping with the reality of the world. Your imagination is the way you construct your reality, but you want to construct it out of the facts. You want to construct it out of reality. However, there, thir- I think about 13 people have been arrested. There were two plots that the FBI and the local uh, state 
uh, law enforcement discovered uh, six men were arrested and charged with plotting to kidnap uh, Gretchen Whitmer as part of a plan to overthrow elements of the government and attack law enforcement personnel, according to a federal criminal complaint unsealed yesterday. Uh, and then the Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, who I believe this is her, announced charges under state anti-terrorism laws against seven others who she said are members of a militia. Here she is. The individuals in custody are suspected to have attempted to identify the home addresses of law enforcement officers in order to target them, made threats of violence intended to instigate a civil war, and engaged in planning and training for an operation to attack the Capitol building of Michigan and to kidnap government officials, including the governor of Michigan. They were going to take her out. Some of these guys were planning to take the governor uh, into a secure location in Wisconsin and try her for treason before the presidential election in November. Now, obviously, she has been an overbearing, tyrannical governor, shutting things down and trying to shut them down again. And people have taken the proper action against her. They sued her and they took her to the court and the court said, decided against her. She could not reshut the government down. Uh, this is exactly the right thing to do. And of course, exactly the, the wrong thing to do is to storm the Capitol building and kidnap her. So who's to blame? Well, here is Uberstorm Fuhrer Gretchen Whitmer telling who she blames is cut 13. Just last week, the president of the United States stood before the American people and refused to condemn white supremacists and hate groups like these two Michigan militia groups. When our leaders speak, their words matter. They carry weight. When our leaders meet with, encourage, or fraternize with domestic terrorists, they legitimize their actions and they are complicit. Now, I wouldn't say that the press and the you know Democrats are the same people, same party, one unit working together. But here's Joe Scarborough uh, talking about the same thing. Cut three. We have a president who inspired a group of terrorists, domestic terrorists, to kidnap the governor of Michigan. Uh, uh, and they believed they were, quote, liberating Michigan, as Donald Trump in instructed in a tweet earlier in the spring. And then we're going to try her uh, for crimes uh, against the state in Wisconsin. Um, and uh, that's that's where we are right now with the Trump presidency. <laughs> it's Donald Trump's fault. And here's Joe Biden. Finally, same message. Cut one. The words of a president matter. Whether they can, if you've heard me say this before, they can cause a nation to have the market rise or fall, go to war, bring peace, but they can also breathe oxygen into those who are filled with hate and danger. And I, I just think it's got to stop. The president has to realize the words he utters matter. See, the problem with Trump is he just never denounces white supremacy, like here in Cut 2. David Duke is a bad person who I disavowed on numerous occasions over the years. What are your views on the Ku Klux Klan and white supremacists? I totally disavow the Ku Klux Klan. I totally disavow David Duke. I've been doing it now for two weeks. This is you're probably about the 18th person that's asked me the question. Paul Ryan this week said, quote, if a person wants to be the nominee of the Republican Party, there can be no evasion and no games. They must reject any group or cause that is built on bigotry. He was talking about you. But I've rejected. How many times do I have to reject? I've rejected David Duke, rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. 
how many times if it's Thursday, if you see the thing is, if you do it Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but you don't do it on Thursday, you're a bigot if you're a Republican. So here's Trump's tweet in answer to this. He says, Governor Whitmer of Michigan has done a terrible job. She locked down her state for everyone except her husband's boating activities. That's quite true. The federal government provided tremendous help to the great people of Michigan. My Justice Department and federal law enforcement announced today that they foiled a dangerous plot against the governor of Michigan. Rather than say thank you, she calls me a white supremacist, while Biden and Democrats refuse to condemn Antifa, anarchists, looters, and mobs that burn down Democrat-run cities. I do not tolerate any extreme violence. Defending all Americans, even those who oppose and attack me, is what I will always do as your president. Governor Whitner, Whitmer, open up your state, open up your schools, and open up your churches. Now, let's take a look at one of the ringleaders of this plot. This is a guy named Brandon Caserta. And we have to give props to Robbie Starbuck, who's a, really, I think he's a, a music engineer, and he really does good work as an activist as well. And he came up with Brandon Caserta. This is the guy talking about what he believes. He is part of this uh, alleged conspiracy. He's an alleged part of this alleged conspiracy. This is cut 14. Trump is not your friend, dude. <laughs> and it's it amazes me that people actually like believe that when he's shown over and over and over again that he's a tyrant every single person that works for government is your enemy he hates donald trump he calls donald trump a tyrant plus he's wearing some of the ugliest ears things i've ever seen in my life i mean the guy is clearly a nutbag but you know just just to be clear about this the far right and the far left I mean, are virtually the same people. I mean, all of these guys who hate everybody and who don't think there should be any government. And, you know, they're as far as I'm concerned, they're all a bunch of racists. I mean, it makes no difference to me whether they're racist against white people or racist against black people. I reject that way of thinking about the human race utterly. I reject racism entirely. And so these guys on the far right and the far left are exactly the same people. The only difference is we don't make excuses for the far right. That's the thing. They keep accusing Donald Trump of not denouncing the far right. But he does, and they do not denounce, they will not denounce, the far left. Antifa is just an idea, you know? <laughs> nuts, nuts. Antifa is just an idea. Antifa is a bunch of masked thugs. They're just as racist as the right. The only difference between the radical left and the radical right is the radical left is in government. They have people like AOC and Ilhan Omar in government, and we don't let them in because we know they're bad. We know they're bad. We know these guys are bad. Let's listen to what else this guy says. This is cut 19 on the police. They are oppressing you for a paycheck, all right? And you need to wake up and realize this. Because if you're still supporting law enforcement, dude, you, you got it backwards. It's not, you're not going to get what you want. If you want freedom and you're still supporting law enforcement at this point in time, I don't care if you have a friend that's in law enforcement, a family member, I don't give a shit. If you are still supporting them, you are supporting the people that are enforcing slavery on everyone else. And on back and back of him, he's got the anarchist uh, symbol in back of him. So he's an anarchist, you know. He's one of these left-wing guys who thinks that anything the government does, that there can be no such thing as a good government. He says the declaration uh, was a an anarchist document, which is utter garbage, and the Constitution ruined it by imposing, imposing a government. If men were angels, we wouldn't need government. They're not. We do. Here's Colin Kaepernick, who also wrote an article about the police, and he says, predictably, 
The political mainstream, this is Colin Kaepernick says this, right? Predictably, the political mainstream has responded to recent uprisings by shifting the demands to defund the police to reformist interventions centered on acceptable, unquote, unquote, modes of enacting death and violence upon oppressed people. These modes of reactionary justice fail to remedy an un the uninterrupted death caused by policing and prisons and frequently leave us disheartened, disjointed, and disillusioned. Despite the steady cascade of anti-black violence across the country, I am hopeful we can build a future that imagines justice differently, a future without the terror of policing and prisons. Colin Kaepernick agrees with this guy. Antifa agrees with this guy. And the only people who reject these people entirely on both sides, who don't make excuses, is the right. I mean, only it's only conservatives who sit around. I mean, I, I reject I reject these guys on the far right entirely, not a little bit, not somewhat entirely. I think they're just as bad as the far left. The only difference with them is, is they're on the on their outskirts of everything. They're, they form no part of our movement. They form no part of the conservative movement. All the conservative movement wants, as far as I can see, certainly the center of it, is to restore the Constitution, to restore a government that is limited in its powers, that has enumerated powers instead of any power it wants. A very, very different thing entirely. All right, you know how crazy, insane, far-right wingers are always telling you that at any moment there could be a crisis that could keep you in your home and you need food? Well, at any minute, there could be a crisis that will keep you in your home and you have to have food. And that is why there is ReadyWise. ReadyWise makes emergency meals. They make freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition. And they have new adventure meals for hiking, camping, and other outdoor activities. ReadyWise meals are easy to prepare. You just add water and have a very long shelf life. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. Order online and have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. Due to increased demand, supplies are limited and some items may currently be out of stock, but you want to get what you can because when government resources are strained, it can be days, if not weeks, before fresh food is available. You want it ready. This week, my listeners can get free shipping at readywise.com when entering Claven at checkout by or by calling 855-474-4084. ReadyWise has a 90-day, no-questions-asked return policy, so there's no risk taking the initiative to get yourself and your family prepared today. That's ReadyWise, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com, promo code CLAVEN to get free shipping. And I know what you're saying. You're saying ReadyWise. Anybody can spell ReadyWise, but how? Oh, how? Please tell me how do you spell Clavin? It is K-L-A-V-A-N. I just, I just make it look this easy. So meanwhile, another plot is coming to light, which is the plot against Donald Trump, which has been going on now for four years and which we know is a plot because we know that every time they do something like Nancy Pelosi did today and like she did in December uh, when she was impeaching the president over what? <laughs> like, can you remember? Can anybody remember what he said to the Ukrainian president that was supposed to be so impeachable? The horror, the nightmare. I mean, you could barely, the guys on CNN could barely make their faces look grim enough when they used the word historic. This historic impeach. This is an historic, isn't it historic? How historic is it? It's so historic. It's historic how historic it is. It's so historic that even the history of it is historic. I mean, that's what they were talking about. Can you remember what that was? I remember, I was, it was driving me nuts at the time. I was coming on and going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He says something, you know, and it's Donald Trump. So you, half the time he's just spewing words out of his mouth. It doesn't really mean anything. Unbelievable stuff. And now what he was saying to him is he, he wanted help investigating Joe Biden. 
Now it turns out that Joe Biden was so deep over there with his son, Hunter, uh, collecting so much money from them that, that Trump was absolutely right. The scandal was all on the other side. So Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin wrote an op-ed uh, in the Wall Street Journal today. And I can't read the whole thing. I wish I could read the whole thing because it's actually really worth reading. But it's called An American Coup Attempt. And uh, let me read at least a, a, sub, uh, a portion of it. He says, the U.S. is in a constitutional crisis. It began on the day of President Trump's election when unelected bureaucrats mobilized against his presidency. This is a crisis of the, in the executive branch perpetrated by subordinate officials who don't see themselves as answerable to the president. They have effectively established a fourth branch of government, a permanent, unaccountable bureaucracy. This is the deep state we're always talking about. He says, the first public display of insurrection began with leaked transcripts of Mr. Trump's phone calls with Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto on January 27, 2017, after he took office, and Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull the following day. As the Senate Homeland Security Committee reported, the Trump administration was plagued with 62 leaks, possibly endangering national security in its first 125 days, compared with nine such leaks under George W. Bush and eight under Barack Obama. In 2019, a whistleblower upped the ante by leaking details of Mr. Trump's phone call with Ukrainian president. This fueled Mr. Trump's impeachment in December. Now, think about this for just a minute, okay? Think about the fact that these leaks were coming out. I don't, you know, and it doesn't even matter to me that there were only nine of them under Obama. There shouldn't be any of them. Who is leaking the president's private phone calls with leaders of other countries? And as Senator Johnson points out, uh, throughout this constitutional crisis, many journalists abetted the plotters by abandoning even the pretense of objectivity and claiming that Mr. Trump poses a grave threat to the country. So somebody leaks this, and look, I was a reporter. If somebody leaks something to me, I'm going to run with it, but at least have some kind of responsibility in when you deliver anonymously sourced uh, leaks to understand that the people who are the anonymous sources have an agenda. At what point, at what point does somebody, an unelected guy working in the government, at what point does he say to himself that my role is to control the elected officials in the government and to leak their private conversations. Over 60 leaks of the president's private conversations, the elected, just because they didn't like him. He wasn't one of them. He wasn't part of the establishment. He had no right to be there just because we, the people, had sent him there. You know, I just want to remind you of this because at the time, the New York Times was writing articles about how wonderful it was that the deep state was standing up to the authoritarian tyranny of Donald Trump, which is uh, exists wholly in the imagination of these people, as you can see by the fact that you're not suffering under tyranny. There's no tyranny in your life. Nobody on the right is stopping you from saying whatever you want. It's only the big tech people on the left from Twitter and Facebook who are silencing anybody. YouTube, Google, they're the only people who are silencing anybody. Donald Trump isn't silencing anyone. They call him Hitler on TV and nothing happens proving that he's not Hitler. If he were Hitler and they called him Hitler, they'd be gone. All right. So here's just a, a clip back from the day when this first horrifying scandal of Trump saying something, something, something to the president of the Ukraine came out. Margaret Brennan of CBS actually had the temerity to raise the issue with the former uh, associate CIA director, John McLaughlin, to raise the issue that it kind of proved Trump's point to have these whistleblowers handing out his phone calls, uh, which may have been embarrassing in the sense that Trump says things that he's not always supposed to say, but was no way did it reach even scandal level, let alone impeachment level. And here's this exchange. There is something unique, you'd have to agree, that 
Now, oh, totally. the impeachment inquiry is underway, sparked by a complaint from someone within the intelligence well, you know, community. The, the funny, it feeds the president's uh, the, concern, and often used term about a deep state being well, there to take him you know, out. Thank God for the deep state. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you know ev everyone here has seen this progression of diplomats and intelligence officers and White House people trooping up to Capitol Hill right now and saying, these are people who are doing their duty who are responding to a higher call. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't, well, think about it for a minute. With all of the people who knew what was going on here, it took an intelligence officer to step forward and say something about it. They're cheering for the CIA, right, which isn't supposed to do anything, uh, praising an intelligence officer for releasing a conversation between the president and another president. That is what, that's what they're praising. Isn't there some line in one of those awful Star Wars sequels where Natalie Portman says, this is how democracy ends, to loud applause? And they're applauding for this because nobody is thinking it through. Nobody, they want what they want in the moment. They want to get at Donald Trump. They don't like Donald Trump, fine. You have the perfect right to your opinion but they are applauding the death of the system that gives them the freedom they have because they think Trump is such a threat to the freedom. That's how, that's when I talk about the imagination. That's how the imagination works. If they can get you to imagine that you're in danger from climate change, if they can get you to imagine that you're in danger from Donald Trump, that you can get you to imagine that you have to live in absolute terror of catching the flu, then they can get you to throw away the systems and the structures that protect you and protect your freedom from the things you think you're threatened by, right? So in other words, I, I have plenty of liberal friends who sit around and say, oh, well, Donald Trump is a fascist. So good if they impeach him wrongly. So good if they uh, break the law to get at him. So good if they throw away the First Amendment rights of people and don't let them speak up in favor of him. In other words, he's such a fascist, they are willing to be fascists to stop him. And that's the way the imagination works. And that's the way the people who control the machinery of imagination in this country, the movies, the TV, the news media, that's the way they operate. And they know these, that if they can get you to imagine a world in which you're under threat, you will act irresponsibly and foolishly and throw away the things that your forefathers fought and died for. They know they can do it and they do it. And you know, this article goes on, if you have a chance to look at it in the Wall Street Journal, uh, this argument from Senator, uh, this article from Senator Johnson goes on to just outline this conspiracy, which is so complex that you can hardly talk about it. But he starts out and he says in 2016, then FBI director James Comey overstepped his authority and publicly exonerated Hillary Clinton while criticizing her conduct. The same day in London, the FBI met with Christopher Steele, author of the now debunked anti-Trump dossier. U.S. intelligence agencies received reporting that Russians believed Hillary Clinton approved a plan in July of 2016 to stir up a scandal by tying Trump to the Russian hacking of a Democratic National Committee email server. The Steele, you know, you don't want to get into the deep weeds of it, but the Steele dossier was uh, basically disinformation from a guy that the FBI had already been investigating as a Russian asset. So this was Rus Russian disinformation coming through, being used by Hillary Clinton to get at Donald Trump. And the FBI went for it. And James Comey, angry at being fired, leaked classified information, his memos about his conversation with the president to make sure there would be this investigation. And this is what we've been going through all these. That's what we went through all these years. And now nobody mentions it at all, really, during this election. Nobody keeps, nobody's throwing Russian collusion at Donald Trump because we all know it's a hoax. And Trump said, here's Trump's reaction. This is cut to 16. Unless Bill Barr indicts these people, 
for crimes, the, the greatest political crime in the history of our country, then uh, we're going to get little satisfaction unless I win and we'll just have to go because I won't forget it. But these people should be indicted. This was the greatest political crime in the history of our country. And that includes Obama and it includes Biden. To be honest, Bill Barr is going to go down either, either as the greatest attorney general in the history of the country or he's going to go down as a you know, very uh, sad, sad situation. And Axios is reporting that Barr is telling top Republicans that they will not have the the uh, Durham report ready by the election, which is a shame because after the election, it'll never come out. If Joe Biden wins, uh, it'll never come out. And that'll, that'll be a true shame because it is, it, you know, it may not be the greatest scandal in history, but it's the greatest scandal in a generation. And And this is the thing. Anti-Trump terrorists try to kidnap a governor. They blame Trump. Anti-Trump Democrats try to take out the president and they blame Trump for that, too. When you want to mail stuff, what do you not want to do? You don't want to go to the post office. The post office is great. You just don't want to be there. You want the post office like everything else. You want it in your computer. That's why you want to do what thousands of small business owners have done, which is use stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and avoid going to the post office, and you'll save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no residential surcharges. Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services you need right into your computer in the comfort of your home or office. And right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. The scale is cool, too. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Claven. That's stamps.com, and then enter Claven. And you say, well, how do I do that? How do I enter Claven? You just have to put your hands on the keys and press K-L-A-V. A-N. There are no E's. No, don't don't press that E button because there are no E's in Clavin. I just make it look this easy. Come over to Daily Wire and subscribe. If you are not a subscriber, you are not getting all the good things. Yesterday, I did an all-access show and completely forgot to put my microphone on, so people can complain to you about it. If you, if you don't want to miss moments like that, go on dailywire.com and subscribe. I want to talk about a Gallup poll that has just come out. The Gallup poll was taken in the middle of last month. So it was before the first debate, right? It was mid-September. And it really is interesting because it speaks into this gap between the imagination of people and the facts on the ground. And again, imagination is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful quality. It's not just the way we make up stories. It's also the way we understand the world. It's the way the world becomes a single unified thing in our mind, which gives us our experience of the world, which is a beautiful thing. And there's a lot of things in the imagination that are subjective. The people you love, uh, the, the things you find beautiful, those things are subjective. That doesn't mean that they're not all, you're not reacting to something objective. That love is real. It's just that you are perceiving it. You are the only one who perceives it. So it's it happens subjectively. But it's also something where you are organizing the world in a realistic way or an unrealistic way. If you're organizing the world in which you have a man's body, but you think you're a woman, something has gone wrong with your imagination. And they make forcing everybody else to think that your imagination is right to kind of nod along with you. Yes, I hear, I hear the voices too. I hear the voices saying, kill, kill, kill too. That is not the way to handle that. The way to handle that is to fix your imagination and adjust your imagination to reality. So here's this Gallup poll uh, from mid-September. Before the first presidential debate, I'm reading from Gallup, uh, and news that 
Trump had contracted the Chinese flu. American voters were more likely to say his opponent, former Vice President Joe Biden, has the personality and leadership qualities that a president should have, okay? Nearly half of registered voters, 49%, agreed that Biden has presidential qualities, while only 44% agreed that Trump has them. At the same time, similar percentages of voters agree with the candidates on the issues. 49% agreed with Trump and 46% (laughs) agreed with Biden. So Biden acted presidential, but Trump was the one they agreed with. Now, obviously, those are not the same people, so there's only a small gap of people who are going both ways. But it is kind of interesting. It is kind of fascinating that people could at once think that even 3% could think that Biden was more presidential, but Trump was right. Because frankly, presidential is just an appearance. Presidential is a way of behaving. And I'll admit, I don't think Donald Trump is very presidential. I mean, I think that he, he is, that's one of the reasons he was uh, elected is because he's not presidential. Biden, is Biden presidential? Well, here's what Biden had to say about the debate as cut eight. I uh, thought Kamala did a great job last night. She was really presidential. She stepped on focus. I was really proud of her. I'm looking forward to seeing her. So I guess it doesn't matter whether Biden is presidential because we've got the commission to take him out of office when we realize that he's too demented to do the job. And uh, of course, uh, Kamala is presidential. So that's the important thing. Just one more thing from this Gallup poll, though. Most the the survey found a clear majority of registered voters, 56 percent, saying they are better off now. This is just a month ago, saying they were better off now than they were four years ago, while 32 percent said they are worse off. And that is like one of the highest numbers ever saying they're better off now. So Donald Trump has made people's lives better even during this uh, pandemic and the lockdown that has hurt the economy so badly. 56% still say that he has made their lives better. It is an, will be a fascinating thing if those 56% do not show up at the polls to elect the man who improved their lives over four years, or at least helped improve their lives over four years. Just an amazing, amazing differential, amazing gap between the imaginative world, the world they think they're supposed to be reacting to, and the world they're actually living in and are not reacting to. If you're not living, if you're not reacting to the fact that your life is better, which probably has something to do with the policies being implemented in Washington, if you're not reacting to that fact that your life is better, but you're reacting to some sense that this guy is presidential, your imagination is out of whack with the world. So now they're having all this fight over this... um, Over the next debate, now I I read, um, I think it was on OANN, on their uh, website, that they've now agreed to push the next in-person debate uh, to October, what is it, 21st, I think? Uh, But push it forward a week because Biden is afraid that he'll get uh, the dread disease from Donald Trump, who now the doctors say he's free to go out and do whatever he wants over the weekend. Uh, And of course, he has those antibodies, which are not just any antibodies. They're the best antibodies. Everybody not not it's not just me saying it. Very respected people are saying these are beautiful, tremendous antibodies that Donald Trump has. So he'll probably just radiate like you're probably just coming into contact with him will probably make you healthier uh, than you were before. But now there's a kerfuffle going on because the debate moderator, Steve Scully, uh, who is 
I think, pretty well known to be an anti-Trumper. I'm not, I'm not sure he's a never-Trumper, but he's, I think he is a... You know, I don't understand. I do not understand where this debate commission comes from and why it has any power and why the Republicans listen to it at all. I don't understand this at all. I don't understand why we can't have at least one moderator, you know, two moderators at a time, one conservative and one uh, leftist. I don't understand why we can't do that. I do not understand why the Republicans are so browbeaten. They're so browbeaten that they cannot stand up and say, no, we're not showing up until you give us fair moderators. It's ridiculous that one after another after another has to be a Susan Page who is clearly on the side of the Democrats. She is a Democrat. She, that's who she is. She has openly supported Democrats. She wrote a biography, a hagiography of Nancy Pelosi. I mean, look, I'm not, asking, I'm not asking that people not get hard questions from both sides. I'm asking that they get hard questions from both sides. So now this guy, Steve Scully, tweeted to uh, Scaramucci. He tweeted, should I respond to Trump? And the message appeared to be directed at former White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci, who has now become a a member of the so-called resistance, the resistance which actually agrees with everything the establishment says. So I'm not sure who they're resisting against. But Scaramucci hates Trump now. And why was uh, Scully tweeting him? And so help me, so help me, the debate commission came out and said, well, his Twitter was hacked. His Twitter was hacked. And Biden, Biden won't talk about it. He's, he's, oh, oh, you know, I got to play this. Let me just play this one thing before I get into this. Biden was asked yesterday about court packing, about packing the court. And this was his response. And I just I want to play it to make a point about what I'm saying. So just play this. You'll know my opinion of court packing when the election is over. Now, look, I know it's a great question. Y'all, and I don't blame you for asking. But, you know, the moment I answer that question, the headline in every one of your papers will be about that. Other than, other than focusing on what's happening now. I can't talk about the issue because then the issue will become the issue. It's just amazing. So he's asked about the debate. He can't talk about that either. It's cut 10. We don't know what the president's going to do. He changes his mind every second. So for me to comment on that now would be irresponsible. I think that if I'm going to follow the commission recommendation, if he goes off and he's going to have a rally, I'll... I'll, I'll, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> Trump, Trump will talk about it. It's cut 11. They didn't even tell at, us at about the debate, the, right? So you just learned this this morning? Yeah, we learned it the same way you learned it. They called up uh, two minutes ago and uh, it was announced. And uh, they're, pr- they're trying to protect Biden. Everybody is. They're trying like that NBC disaster where he went on a, this show with Lester Holt. It was like it was meant for a child. You know, it's funny that Trump is supposed to be the Nazi when he will tell you anything that's in his mind. Anything that comes into Trump's head, he tells you. Like, he's just the most transparent. He is the most transparent president ever. He's hiding nothing. He just tells you whatever he has to say. Whereas Joe Biden will actually tell you that he's not going to tell you what he will do about something as consequential as packing the Supreme Court. And the press, I mean, the press is just gone. The press, is gone. I, I, we have to go back and just look a little bit at the coverage of the debate because it was so hilarious and such a great uh, demonstration of what our press has become. Uh, first, this whole thing that somehow a, a man debating a woman shouldn't debate a woman because he's a man. This is cut five, just a sample uh, from Grabian of what the, the press was talking about. Cut five. 
He's a former television commentator, does have a very calm demeanor, but I think a lot of people were noticing some mansplaining going on tonight. Right, this was, Grant, a, was a man, point, mansplainer-in-chief. I, I, I get Mr. Yeah. Mike I, Mansplainer all I night. Understand. He made my skin crawl. Um, uh, you know, the, the constant interruptions, the mansplaining. Simone Sanders, one of the aides, said that Pence didn't just mansplain, he man-dodged. Do you think... There's any chance whatsoever that these guys just get their talking points from the Democrat Party and they all say the same thing over and over and over again? I mean, do you think there's any chance that the connection is so complete? And the connection is also complete in all the shenanigans that has gone on all this time. It was all aided and abetted by the press. And that is just an amazing, amazing fact that we're dealing with, that we have a press that is essentially a disinformation organ of the Democrat Party. We have to go back, I'm afraid. I'm sorry to do this to you, but there's just no way around it. We have to talk about the fly. <laughs> fly landed on Mike Pence's head. And as we said, there was a plexiglass debate so that Kamala Harris couldn't leap on his head and eat the fly, uh, <laughs> which I don't know. I don't know. I thought that comment was very funny. But um, the fly was endless, endless fodder. Now, just remember, a fly landed on Obama's lip, I believe it was, and on Hillary Clinton's eyebrow. Uh, did not get this kind of attention, but obviously Pence eviscerated um, Kamala Harris on the issues, eviscerated her on the facts, eviscerated her on the truth, told her he was telling the truth much, much more than she was. All politicians lie, but he was telling the truth a lot more than she was. All they talked about was the fly. It was cut 41. Big star of the debate tonight was a fly that landed quite symbolically on the vice president's head. It's, oh my God, look at his hair. He's so full of crap. He's attracting flies. The fly was there to send one of two messages. It was either from Exodus where it says, for if you do not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you. Or it was Tupac saying, if you're going to invite me to the debate, I deserve a VIP suite because it's just me against the world. Bill Crystal has awarded second place after Kamala Harris to the fly in this debate. Many people were buzzing about the fly. The fly um, was clearly the winner. <laughs> I love reading the Bible about the fly. Pence is the Lord of the flies. It, it, it is wonderful, especially with Pence. It is wonderful, especially with Pence, that he's the Lord of the flies because he's one of the most decent people in government. He's so transparently a nice person, a decent person, a polite person. He's so transparently from another era. Uh, you know, a lot of people were thinking if we could just find, while we're doing a vaccine, if we could just find some way to take some of Pence's blood and transfuse it into Donald Trump to give Donald Trump a little bit more of that command of facts and information and a little bit more of that politeness, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Trump could... Uh, appeal to some suburban women. However, the one thing about The Fly that was worthwhile is this bit by a guy named Jordan Firstman, who is an actor who was in the show Search Party. If you've never seen the show Search Party, try and find it because that was a great show. I was touting it when it was on. It was only, I think it was like four very short seasons, but it was a really, really good show. And Firstman was not one of the leads in it, but he had a part in it. Uh, so he put out this. This is The Fly's publicist uh, calling the fly to congratulate him on his success. Hi, it's Jenny. What the <laughs> heck just happened? We're obsessed. We're all freaking out over here. I'm freaking out. No, you're an icon. You're an American treasure. No, I'm shaking in my boots. <laughs> um, girl, girl, 
America just watched you and loved you. Even the Republicans are like laughing. Yeah, no, I saw it on Twitter. Don't go on Twitter. How did you think of the idea? Just I wasn't I wasn't aware you were doing that. Oh, you did it with your agents? Okay, I just need to be kept in the loop with these things. It's important. <laughs> but that's besides the point. I think the first thing we need to do is kind of get it into the narrative that you are female. No one is talking about the fact that you are a strong female fly boss girl in charge and people need to know. And then I think it's acting. No, people are saying you're the next Jennifer Lawrence. No, they are. There's Oscar buzz. Buzz. But Nadine, write that down. Oscar buzz. Emphasis on the buzz, Nadine. Anyway, go. Go do your thing. I don't want to hold you up. Go eat some garbage, girl. We love you. We love you. We love you, fly boss. <laughs> that, I have to tell you, as someone who has dealt with both publicists and agents, that is so realistic. It's kind of frightening. But, but I have to tell you that this is part of this, you know, I always call it the empire of lies, but really in some ways it's the empire of imagination. It is the empire that is basically instructing you, guiding you in how to feel about the world in such a way that you will be afraid, that you'll be in a panic, that you will be in a crisis. Let the real things fall apart while the fake things are dealt with, while the fake evil of oil will be dispatched in order to let the rainbow come out again, the fake evil of systemic racism, the fake crisis, all these fake crises, the fake crisis of Donald Trump talking to the Ukrainian president. All of these things are meant to guide you in a life of fear and terror in which you give up the one reality that really matters, namely the systems that preserve your freedom. The Clavenless Weekend is upon you. It will be a short one, but you're still not going to survive. I mean, let's face it, I'm being about 10 minutes after I'm off, you'll be gone. But those of you who managed to crawl through Saturday and Sunday to Monday, we will be here waiting for you with The Andrew Claven Show, and I will still be Andrew Claven. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show... It's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listener.